on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the Clubhouse. Yeah, across Australia, this is the Clubhouse. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening across this golfing weekend. My name's Julian Bayard in the studio with Mark Allen each and every week and a lot of stuff happening in the mm. world of golf, Marco. Plenty going on right now as I welcome you to the show. Good to see you, Jules. Plenty to talk about. Oh, isn't there ever? Right. A few uh, things uh, happening this oh, week. Oh, yeah. Brent Snedeker has a win. Yep. Didn't play on the last Didn't day. Didn't even play. Just sat back and watched. Just kicked <laughs> yep. back. Uh, didn't even go to the, the driving range nah. in the end. Just, it was so bad. Just everyone came back to him. So well yeah. done to him. Well played. And we spoke about the top four, the big four. Yes. The big four last week. Well, we saw Brown Grace win mm-hmm. at Abu Dhabi. Um, if there's going to be a big five. <laughs> it's going to keep getting right? bigger and bigger. <laughs> the big four, the big three has gone to the big four yep. uh, after last week with Ricky Fowler having a win. Mm-hmm. But uh, Brandon Grace is next in line. If yep. Brandon Grace wins a major before Ricky does... He'll go into the big four before there is even the big five. Even the big four exists. He's a gun, He's... mate. I love watching him play. Yep. He's almost my favourite player to watch at the moment. All right, few He's th- got it all. A few things we learned in the world of golf this week, Marco. Ryan Ruffles already looks at home on the professional tour. Looks fantastic. Yep. Played yep. a really good game of yes. golf. Good observation. Bill Mickelson doesn't like his bets being made public. What a goose. Come on, Phil. But he can also hit terrific shots through fences. And yeah, I saw that. that. Yeah, I, I saw that. That was amazing. Yeah, good. Uh, go left handed and yeah. put the toe through the fence <laughs> to hit a ball that was not quite out of bounds. Yep. Nobody would have thought of that except mm. Phil. Maybe Seb. Still if, Sebi, if Sebi was still alive, he would have thought of it. Still three putted and made yeah, double good. bogey. But Suffer. Anyway, we I, also mate, learned, I can't stand him at the moment. Get me going about him in a tick. Also learned that the winner of the Farmers Insurance Open gets a surfboard as a trophy. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. And also golfers on the European tour in warm-ups and the pro-amps can now wear shorts. Did you know that? No. Yes. On the European tour. Exactly right. In a pro-am, yep. can wear shorts. Can wear shorts. How good is that? all the players are loving it. Absolutely loving it. When did that happen? Uh, I didn't. I had no idea. It's funny, you know, because I saw somebody in shorts not long ago, and mm. I thought, what's he doing in shorts? Yep. Um, and that's it. That's it. So it gets They're pretty modernizing hot. modernizing the game in warm-up games and uh, the pro-ams. They're letting them play in shorts. So practice rounds. Yep. On the European tour, practice rounds and pro-ams in shorts. Well, hallelujah. That is fantastic. Yep. Well done. It is brilliant. And I think, I mean, you might be listening out there going, oh, big deal. No, it's huge. But it is a step towards modernizing the game of golf, which has been needed for a long time. Uh, Fantastic. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm. I'm all for the look because I like the pros looking like pros when they're holding the trophy up. Yep. I do. I don't want them to be mm. looking like a weekend warrior type <laughs> person. They need to be they need to be just a little bit different from your average weekend player yes. in the way that they look. It's just what should happen in my view. I'm sure that view will change in thirty years and they'll all be allowed to wear shorts at some stage. But wow, to be able to wear shorts on a practice round when it's forty degrees yep. and to be able to wear shorts in the pro am when it's forty five degrees. <laughs> You know what it does? It keeps a player fresh. Yeah. And if you want the players to play their best golf for four rounds, rounds one through four, and that's what they want. They want everyone playing fantastic golf so you get great finishes and tight finishes. It, it, it just makes sense because, you know, one, it's going to be pretty fun to watch them in shorts and see what the legs are like and who's got the good tan going because that's yep. very important. But we want close finishes. We want as many people as possible playing well. Yep. Um, 
and you know some of those practice rounds i can remember playing some practice rounds <laughs> and your practice rounds this is what people don't understand your practice round is the most tiring day yeah. of the week because you're seeing a new course you're hitting two balls you're doing lots of chipping and then you're doing the practice as well and you're putting everywhere and the caddy is non-stop for a caddy a practice round on Tuesday Tough. is a nightmare day. Mm. And quite often on tour, the practice round is the five and a half hour. Sometimes in a major, a major, a practice round is six hours sometimes. Yep. That's why there is so many people trying to hit off the first one off at six o'clock. Tiger yep. hits off at six. Every time. Yeah, because you just don't, you don't, you don't want those miles in your leg. You don't yep. want to be out in the sun for six hours because it ruins the rest of your week. So this shorts thing is, is a cracker. Yeah, I like it. It's well good. done. European tour is moving forward. Pretty soon, there's going to be some big news on the European tour. Looking forward to that. But uh, it's only just <laughs> going to tell. It's only, in my in my mind. It's only just going to top that story that you had to wear shorts <laughs> in did, the pro am and the practice. I did rounds. laugh at Rory McIlroy's quote when he said that uh, he'll need to have a, just a few rounds by himself to get a bit of sun <laughs> on his legs before he brings them out in him. public. Ah, it's fantastic. It is good. Now, it is good. America will follow that soon. You watch. Big news during the week was Ryan Ruffles making his PGA debut as a pro. Rounds of 70, 73, 74, and seventy. Uh, six to finish, yep. finished tied for 43rd. 76 was almost his best round of the week, by the way. It was tough. It was that hard. That in a minute. Uh, T's up next at Pebble Beach in a couple of weeks' time uh, mm. and took home $20,843. Is that US? US or was uh, it uh, Aussie dollars? I think that is Probably Aussie. Aussie. Yep. Probably Aussie. Well, it's a good, it's a good handy. It's yep. a handy first check yep. for the first week. Plus the five grand he gets off Phil. So. Plus five grand <laughs> that he uh, pocketed off Phil. <laughs> I, you know, I, I reckon he should get five grand. Yeah. And take a photo of it. Yeah, and send it to And Phil. tweet to Phil. <laughs> Your 5,000 made it possible for me to make the cut. You should buy something with it and go, thanks for the present, Phil. Yeah, can, can I... Uh, I'm happy to talk out of school. Yeah. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. Paul Gow, who is a, a character, and you quite often seen with, uh, with uh, Brett Ogle on the golf show yes. on Foxtel, which is a great show. I, I enjoy watching mm-hmm. it. I think they do a great job. Brett and... Uh, and Paul do a fantastic job. And sometimes you see Wayne Riley on it there as well. Yep. Um, their mates, uh, Paul Gow was mates with Tiger on tour. And all the Australians loved Tiger Woods. They did. They liked him. They thought he was great. Um, I think at some stage, Paul might have said that Tiger's a much better bloke than Phil on Australian yeah. radio. Mm-hmm. Phil found out. Now, this is, this is basically how the story goes. Phil yeah. found out that Paul basically said that, you know, none of the Australians really like him or the people on tour mm-hmm. don't really like him. Paul had a tough year on the US tour yep. and was going to go back to the tour school. Missed the cut on the final tournament. So he was going back to tour school. He didn't finish in the top 125 or 130 or whatever it was back when this happened. So he's finished his round, gets back into his locker, and there is a note on his locker. Good luck at the tour school. Thanks for the kind words back in Australia. Signed, Phil Mickelson. What a mongrel Phil mm. Mickelson is. Wow. I mean... You're going back to the tour school. This is someone's livelihood. Yeah. So look, it's Phil. Tough. I mean, brutal. Phil remembers stuff. He yeah. probably thought it was cool, but he, he, uh-huh. he has, um, you know, he has history. I guess you know. I don't think, I don't think, Paul was the first person in history to talk about Phil Mickelson and that he's not well liked. And that's I don't. You that's know, public knowledge, isn't it? Absolutely, I mean, everyone knows that. Yeah, in the locker room, you're not well liked. Bad yeah. luck. It's just the way it is. But you know, when you watch Phil. When you watch Phil uh, signing autographs to the end, and his press conferences before majors are outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he gives to the public yep. is unmatched since Arnold yeah. Palmer, probably. His public perception's fantastic. Yeah. So Phil gets a lot of ticks. Yep. But Phil, you know, to your fellow pro, 
you're not well liked, and that's your prerogative. But you know, and you get a cross for that. Not not a big cross, yep. but a cross. Yep. But as far as the ticks are concerned, you're a star. Yeah. What he does for the Absolutely. game and what he does, I mean, that's great. But you know, doesn't mean just because a few pros don't like you, Phil, doesn't mean yep. you're a bad bloke. Yeah. It's just that you know you're not nice to your fellow pro. Speaking of Big Phil, deal. speaking of Phil, now if you haven't seen it, jump on YouTube and look at this shot. Have you mm-hmm. seen? Have you ever hit a shot through a fence, Marco? No. So no. 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 He's second to a par five, overshot the green, yep. uh, and then went slight just yeah. before out of bounds, but it was through yeah. a. It's a, a fence. fence with vertical, vertical pole, like poles. a pool, almost like a pool fence. It's almost like an old-fashioned pool fence. Yep. And the ball wasn't out of bounds, but mm-hmm. he didn't have a backswing. So what he did was he turned his club upside down, so he was going to hit the ball with the toe first, yep. and did it right-handed, went outside the golf course, so he jumped the fence, <laughs> jumped it. Went outside the golf, stood on the footpath right-handed and made a swing with the toe coming through the fence, yep. hitting the ball and scuttling it towards the hole. Still made what? Double bogey. Yeah, so... Hit it into a bunker, Yeah, up three-part, double bogey. But a big tick for imagination. I like I, it. I would never have thought of Something doing different. that. Something different? I would never have thought of doing that. This is a bloke who can hit a shot over his head when he's on an upslope onto the green, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. think is just extraordinary. That's, that's pretty hard too. Yeah. That's pretty hard too. You need a 64-degree sand yeah. iron to do that, and yeah. Phil carries one. <laughs> so, yeah, the, no, all that sort of stuff is, is very impressive, just like it was for Ryan Ruffles to make the cut. It was. With all that in, in the head. background. Yep. With that happening in the background, I mean... I remember the first time I turned professional, the first moment, and even though nothing's changed, and I'd played in professional tournaments before as an amateur, uh, when you teed up as a pro, there is a small amount of ex- expectation in the yep. back of your mind, and you know it's a different ball game when you're standing on that first tee and you're very, very nervous. Yep. When you've got someone like Phil Mickelson basically calling you a liar, and you're only 17 years old, mm-hmm. and you're wondering whether you've done the right thing or not, Phil's telling you you've done the wrong thing. You're probably thinking it's not that bad a thing that you've done. Nah. And then he adds the liar. You're a schoolboy. You, you, you know, you're, you're putting mayo on the story anyway. He didn't, by the way. Yep. To stand on the first tee <laughs> and play well and then make the cut, that was magnificent, Ryan. Brilliant. And I've, I've told you before that Ryan, he, he his game wasn't as big as Jason Day's game at the same age, but this kid has more composure yep. than any 17-year-old and more smarts mm-hmm. and no ego. That's a big a big one. He's got no ego in his game. Yeah. You know, you, you look at his driver. All the drivers off the rack these days, they're 45, 45 and a half, 46 inches long. Uh-huh. Uh, not Ryan. Ryan has a 43-inch driver. He doesn't care. He just wants to hit it straight. Still way above the tour average at Torrey Pines, mind you. The ball goes just as far with a short driver as it does with the long ones, folks. Just keep that in the background. <laughs> um, all that stuff. You know, he, he, when I look at his bag, it is a no-ego bag. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, a lot, it's a lot it's of time. You want the flash stuff. You want the big driver. You want not Ryan. Ryan's a very clever, composed kid, and he showed how composed he can be and why he's head and shoulders above every other kid his age in the world um, by making that cut 
with everything happening in the background. Good luck to him at Pebble Beach next week. Hopefully he gets the job done. Now, yeah. Farmers Insurance Open, Brant Snedekart was the eventual winner. Yeah. Uh, an interesting end to the tournament. Brutal yep. weather uh, made uh, tough conditions yeah. on the Sunday. They halted play. Uh, First three days, there was hardly a breath yeah. on those cliffs. It never is. No. It never is at that time. <laughs> now, Snedekart went out on the Sunday and shot 69. Marco, mm. which was the only underpass score of the final round. A 77.9 average was the average on the final round. Now, they all came back and played on the Monday and no one was there mm. because the course had been absolutely yep. torn apart by yep. the wind. There was debris, but it was deemed unsafe. Yep. He's sitting there watching them, trying to get, yep. <laughs> to get under par to match his score. He was in the clubhouse um, and he got the job done. Now, just so you know, 77.9, that's the highest fourth round average at a non-major since 1983. Yeah, it was horrendous. It was horrendous watching it. Now, I think we spoke last week about Tom Weisskopf and the redesign. We did. One of the things that makes it really, really hard, this golf course, is just these little shelves on every green. I've played it once and uh, I was told about the shelves, but when you go there, it's like, you know, it's a round green and there's a high shelf, a middle shelf and a low shelf, it seems, on every hole. But when you're playing in wins like that, to actually get the ball on the right shelf then becomes very, very difficult. Yep. And then you add in how hard it's blowing and you've got to judge going up a tier yep. every time because you're never on the right shelf. That adds to it. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the course is, it's not straight up and down. It's not a straight up and down golf course, but it's pretty tight golf course. So when you're hitting out a rough, trying to hit onto a shelf in a six club wind and it's raining and Basically, everyone's just laughing out there. I mean, if you've seen the highlights, players are holding putts and, you know, they're, just, they're laughing. They're, they're almost stuffing around. There's some videos of blokes hitting a putt. They didn't want to yeah. hit it because of the wind. No. And he misses three metres left. And yeah. then the ball blows back and yeah. comes backwards into the hole. Yeah, madness. Yeah. All that sort of stuff is madness. Uh, Brant Snedeker, the 69, was one of the rounds of PGA Tour history. Yep. Top 100. Mm-hmm. Top The top 100 all-time rounds on the PGA yeah. Tour. He'd be in that. That round would have got in there. Yep. That round would have got in there for sure. And um, uh, just a blistering Ryan round. Ryan Ruffles a seventy-six. I think he eagled the last hole as well, Marco. Did he yeah, really? From memory, I could oh, be sensational. Stand to be correct. Yeah. What was, what was the average? Uh, it was seventy-seven point nine. Yeah. So, so two shots under the average yep. on tour. So incredibly strong. Yep. Incredibly strong way to finish your first tournament and the pocket twenty thousand. Well done, son. Well done, too, to Aaron Badley, who had an impressive finish in the yeah, tournament. Yeah, new Finished attitude for tied Aaron. Tied for eighth. Now moves to 84th on the FedEx Cup standings. Yeah. He's been on the PGA Tour for 13 straight seasons yep. before this. Relegated to the web.com tour this year, so hoping to get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, look, from the outside looking in to Aaron's world, and I am these days. I used to know him a little bit when mm-hmm. he was a kid growing up. But uh, from the outside looking in, he's always tried to perfect the, the swing. And you can't perfect your swing in golf. You can't. You can perfect imperfection. And the only way you can perfect imperfection in golf is to have Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson's short game, Jordan Spieth's short game, because you can get away with stuff. You can hit a bad shot and get away with it. Yep. But you will never hit three irons to 10 feet all day. It's just not going to happen. You're never going to hit your pitching wedge to six feet every time. You're never going to hit the driver down a 10-foot gap 300 yards away all day. You're not. It's over. Forget about it. But you can perfect your recovery skills. And the best players in the world, the ones we've all seen, um, they're the ones who you know, really did perfect that art, the art of uh, escape or you know just making pars from nowhere. Jack Nicholas was probably the only one who actually just, you know, he didn't have the greatest short game of all time. But uh, he was very much a centre of the greens kind of guy, Jack. So yep. he didn't miss too many greens. Yep. He didn't stiff it too often. 
But, you know, he had the happy knack of making birdie putts when he needed to and just won 18 majors. Pretty easy. Not bad. Yeah, not a bad effort. Not bad. So not good luck to Aaron Badley as he tries to get his card back. <laughs> Jason Day missed the cut. So yeah, a bit sick. Hadn't played for three months. Yep. Did you take too long off? Yep. He always does. Yeah. But again, I'm from the outside looking in. I don't know what's yeah. going on with Jason. He's head. He probably needs it. Maybe need. Maybe maybe, he yeah, maybe he's just one of those guys who needs three months off. Yep. But I would have liked to have seen him just you know keep keep it toe in the water. <laughs> yeah. Not completely you know disappear from the game. But he'll be right. His swing looked awesome. Yep. Pretty sick. Might have got caught in the wrong side of the draw. Who knows? But Jason will be right. He'll be flying by by April Masters time. Lots going on in the world of golf, market. We've got to get to a break. Plenty mm. more to come after this, including the pro shot. What are we having yep. a look at today? What are we comparing? Blades versus perimeter-weighted irons. That's up next right here on the clubhouse. Mark Allen's here. My name's Julian Bayard. We'll be back right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. Mark Allen's here. My name's Julian Bayard. Great to have your company on the clubhouse. Plenty to get through. Uh, Marco, you're teeing up this weekend, uh, almost right now, if you're listening to this show. so Well, people know that we record. Yep. Uh, this week we had to record pretty early in we the did. week because I was going down the bow and heads playing the Victorian Open. Yes. But I imagine, Jules, right now... Let's hope you're on top of the leaderboard. <laughs> I've got a very late tea time on Sunday. Probably the last or the second last probably, group. Probably right up there in contention. So. And uh, I'd be pretty nervous right now with not much sleep on Saturday night yep. after a you know unbelievable sixty six on Saturday, and just getting set to uh, win the Victorian Open. Yep, that's that's where I'm picturing myself. That's where we're going to be at as we're waking up this Sunday. We're going to be have a tournament winner in this clubhouse <laughs> studio next week. That's what I'm banking. We're going to have the Vic Open winner in here with us. That's what we're going to. Well, have, you're going to be in here. We'd be. I'd be staggered if I make the cut. To tell you the truth, but I'm hoping to. I'm yeah. hoping. To. I'm, hitting them, I'm hitting them well. Yep. And I'm putting well. That's so who good. knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Hopefully. Hopefully yeah. I'm still playing. A few things uh, also happening this week. Uh, a lot of people playing out at Royal Melbourne this week. Oh, that was the huge. Cup, which was fantastic. A lot of money raised for the Royal Children's Yeah, Hospital. that's right. So for yeah. people who aren't in Victoria, Daniel, Daniel Andrews is the Premier of our great state. And uh, this was his idea. He, he got in contact with Royal Melbourne, which is a national treasure. They've got two courses there, the East and the West. And uh, they opened up both courses for the Royal Children's Hospital. The Good Friday appeal is enormous. We know that. Um, and Daniel Andrews, the PGA of Australia, uh, a host of celebrities and professional golfers. And uh, basically, you know, so many companies and uh, the corporate sector from this town, they were paying $5,000 a group. Yep. Um, and on the day, they raised close to $250,000. Just one day. Yeah. So Royal Melbourne, the Premier, uh, Daniel Andrews, uh, the PGA, which just put it all together, which is fantastic. But really importantly, they can't sell those groups um, for that price if they don't have the little carrot of you know Dermot Brereton or Kevin Bartlett, um, you know David King, Andrew Gaze, mm-hmm. you know all these guys um, put up their hand and said, "Yep, I'm coming down. And I'm going to help out the Royal Children's Hospital." Yep. Um, so just just sensational for Royal and these people, high profile people put their hand up, donate their time, donate their energies um, to raise some money for the kids. So congratulations to everybody involved. Fantastic. Great job. Huge. Brilliant. Huge, huge, huge. It's only going to get bigger and better next year. Massive next year. All right. You watch it. Hopefully it uh, continues to grow. Well done to everyone involved and in, uh, for raising some good cash. Yeah, I like it, it. All right, Marcus, time for... On the Clubhouse, the Pro Shop. Yes, time for the pro shop where we have a look at some golfing equipment, compare, contrast, yes. take a look and see what you should be getting yes. if you're heading to your local golfing store or whatever it might right be. Right. What are we looking at today? Blades mm. 
I'm talking about irons here, yep. not roller skates. <laughs> Blades versus perimeter-weighted golf clubs. Right. There is an argument for both, but not many people really understand the argument. There are even some pros going around that think they understand the reasons for blades versus the perimeter weighted. Now, the perimeter weighted, basically, it makes your sweet spot bigger. Yep. So in a blade, here we are in Australia, in a blade, your sweet spot on a five iron might be the size of a five cent piece. Mm-hmm. Perimeter weighted clubs. Now, most of them, especially in this day and age, the sweet spot goes from a five cent piece in a blade to a 10 or a 20 right. around that range. So it's not enormous, it's not an, a huge, but it is something. Mm-hmm. It is something. Now, blades, God, they look good. You know, when you look in someone's bag and there's a shiny set of blades and you put the club down on the ground, they yeah, look good. so good. Yep. <laughs> so a big tick for that. You but, want to feel like a pro, then yeah, get away. absolutely. But when you look at clubs these days, some of the perimeter weighted stuff, like Jason Day uses perimeter weighted clubs. Yep. So does Jordan Spieth. They use perimeter weighted all the way through their bag clubs. Those mm-hmm. two. They got someone like Rory McIlroy. He's now using a kind of Nike perimeter weighted golf club. So you got the worlds one, two, and three, mm. all using blades. Excuse me, or using perimeter-weighted clubs. Well, there's an argument. There is an argument for everyone to be doing it. But it depends where you play. So here in Australia, the reason that I still use blades in just the six iron down, six iron to my lob wedges, they're all blades, is because the ball comes out really low. So a lot of pros, it's just craziness, have been saying this for a million years, that so they can work the ball better. Nothing has been said in the history of golf that is more false <laughs> than you can work the ball better with a blade. You can work the ball with any club. Mm-hmm. It's side spin but that enables you to work the ball in your hands. You can yep. work them better. What blades do, uh, which is fantastic if you are a long-hitting type person, is it keeps the ball nice and low. The last thing you want to do with your wedges and 9-iron is hit the thing sky high. And when you use uh, perimeter-weighted clubs with all the weight right down on the sole of the club, it tends to pop them up in the air. And then if you hit the ball a little bit higher on the club, this thing called the gear effect, it feels like a sweet spot, but the uh, the sweet what what will happen is the club will kick back if you hit it a little bit high on the club. Mm-hmm. And because the club picks, kicks back a little bit, it takes spin off the golf ball. So blades are very, very good for keeping the ball low. And hitting the ball the right length all the time. Mm. Really, really important to hit the ball the right length and keeping it low, which most pros really appreciate. But even these days, these professional golfers, they need a little bit of help because the new ball is designed to spin still with the short clubs, but not spin with the longer clubs. Mm. So pros these days, even their two irons, everybody, Tiger Woods even these days, Adam Scott, one of the best, you know, they're all using a two iron or a three iron with a huge sole on the bottom and a hollow golf club. Some of like Jordan Spieth uses a graphite shaft in his three iron. Really? So the launch angle just gets the ball up. Yep. In the old days when you used to hit a two iron uh, with 20 degrees loft, the old days, the only thing keeping the ball in the air was the spin that you used to put on it. But these days the golf ball is designed not to spin. So there is not much reason anymore yeah. for you to be using a blade unless you know what you're doing so, and you're living in a windy town. Yeah. <laughs> so None. If you're playing on um, 
courses near the ocean, for example, that are going to yeah. be real, yeah, really blades are pretty handy by the wind. Then blades, these blades that are going to keep it low yep. are going to be the way to go. Uh, but very, you've got to be a high-level golfer to be able to use yeah. them because you need to be able to find that sweet That's spot. That's right. Look, for not, many, not many pros have ever tried to hit the ball high. Most pros are trying to hit the ball a little bit lower. So yep. blades just help out. But your average golfer, yeah, he wants to pop the ball up in the air. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, you, if your clubhead speed is under 100, Miles an hour when you when you hit your driver, and there's no reason in the whole world why you should be using blades. Yep, none. What's the cost difference, like Marco? For your no, about the same. Yes. I don't. Yeah, about about the same these days. So look, there is an argument for blades, and there are some players more and more are using blades to the six iron, like like I do, mm-hmm. just because I don't know. I've been used to it my whole life. But the five four and my three iron is the biggest thing you've ever seen in your life. It's so big <laughs> because you need it. Because the, the, hitting a three iron these days is very different. The ball does yeah. not spin off a three iron like it used to. So you need a club that launches it high. So there are ticks and crosses for both. Yep. Three iron these days, I can't hit a blade three iron. I, I, I can hit it in the air, yep. but there's no way in the world it's going to stop on a green. So a big cross for a blade in the three iron uh-huh. if you're using the new ball. Um, but the uh, the short irons, the short irons in the um, in the in the uh, primitive weighted club, excuse me, uh, they do go very very high. So what they've done is the pitching wedges are now a pitching wedge is just a nine iron with a P on the bottom. Yeah, that's all it is. So that's why everyone's using four wedges these days as well. Yeah, right. So there's ticks and crosses for both, <sighs> but the basics are if you don't hit the ball very far, mm-hmm. don't use blades. Yeah, pretty simple. There you go. End of story. Pro shop. Which one won? Uh, I'm going to go with if you've got a handicap below yeah. six yeah. blades. Handicap below six, yeah. But only only six iron down. Yeah. Five iron up, you need something that launches it a little bit higher. Yep. Yep. Same shaft. Try and keep the same shaft throughout until maybe the highest iron. It's not bad. If you've got steel shafts right through to the four iron and graphite shafts in your woods, yep. it's not bad to get kind of a lightweight steel shaft in that three iron. Uh-huh. So you basically go from heavy to sort of light to very light with the graphites in your hybrids in your woods. Yep. So a little bit of help with the three iron and a big, that, that's, you know, you see a lot of players now on tour have got a graphite shaft in their longest iron or a really lightweight um, uh, steel shaft. Yep. So that's, that's happening more and more. So there you go. We kind of sat on the fence in the end and sort of said, make a compromise of both and uh, you get away. No, I'll tell you. Mate, if the world's number one, two and three players, (laughs) uh, if they are all using, all of them are using a a kind of primitive way to golf club, there's only one way to go, folks. Just get with the future. 21st century. There you go. Here we come. There's your answer on the pro shop. This is the clubhouse. Mark Allen's in the studio. My name's Julian Bayard. We'll be back right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Yeah, welcome back to The Clubhouse. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you. Great to have your company across Australia. Marco, time to go inside The Clubhouse, and we do it each and every week. All thanks to Mandalay Golf Course, Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north. We talk about this every week. It is a magnificent play at Melbourne's newest golf course, Club Mandalay. It's located just off the Hume Highway in Melbourne's north. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. If you're heading to Melbourne or if you are in Melbourne, make sure you get up to Club Mandalay Golf Course. It is just magnificent. And speaking of magnificent, Marco, one of the biggest tournaments in world golf that's not a major is the Phoenix Open. Uh, The 16th, the stadium hole, 
probably one of the favourites, Tiger Woods. The famously. fraternity hole, it should be called. <laughs> yeah, the, the frat party, hole. The, the frat hole. hole. The hole where you can go and drink an enormous amount of beer yep. while watching golf and party on. Binge and, drinkers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Tiger Woods famously hit a hole in one. Jared Lyle hit one a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah. Uh, Tiger Woods, that was the loudest noise ever heard on a golf course when yeah. he hauled in one at the party hole. Mm-hmm. And the party hole back when he hauled in one, there's just a few marquees around. It wasn't too much. <laughs> yeah. Now... There is a stadium. The whole thing's enclosed. There, there is talk that they're going to turn that hole into a stadium, and they should. Yeah. They shouldn't build a permanent stadium because you know what? I'd go and play that golf course. <laughs> Just to play that Just hole. Just to play that hole. Yeah. It's a bit like um, the 17th at uh, TPC Sawgrass, the island hole. Yeah. A lot of people go there just to play that hole. And yep. I've played there. And you get on the first tee. How'd you go? And, mate, it is a countdown until <laughs> you get to the 17th. How'd you go? Uh, knocked it on the 10-foot and left the putt short. Oh, it's still bleeding. I'm it. still bleeding about Killed it. it. But if there was a stadium hole that was permanent yep. and you had the experience of walking oh. through the tunnel and getting there <laughs> and hitting that shot, then I reckon I'd go. And believe me, mate, believe me, 600,000. I'm not stuffing around. Yep. People get through the gates at the Phoenix Open year after year after year. 150, I think one year they had 170,000 through the gates one year. 100, just going through the golf. It's always Super Bowl week, Super Bowl 50 this week. Yes. Um, mate, it, it is an unbelievable tournament. It, it started something big, but I would love nothing more than to see them build the stadium around the stadium hole. Like a permanent... Now- Super boxes, the whole lot. Because you'd, I'd, I'd want to go play it. I'd, lo- I'd love to go and play that hole. Now, do you think, Marco, that we should be, as an audience, be able to make noise while they're teeing off on that hole? On that hole only. The yep. only only hole in golf in the world yep. where no one's quiet when you're teeing off. It should never be quiet. That hole should never ever be quiet. They yeah. should put the quiet signs away. <laughs> and you know, as a pro, when you turn up, there is going to be noise. There is going to be sharp noise in your backswing. Yep. There is going to be drunkenness. Everything. People, associate, people yep. trying to put people you People walking, people booing you yep. if you make bogey. <laughs> you know it. And, you know, the people, the, the pros who play that a week, who play that week, they take it in the right spirit. Yeah. And they've slowly weeded the, you know. Not like your old mate, Aaron, uh, yeah. Robert Allenby, when they tried yeah. to do a similar thing in Australia. Yeah. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. What a guy. Um, so... Yeah, they've slowly weeded out all the uh, moronic pros who arced up about it. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like it, folks, by now, don't, don't play. play. Yep. Don't play. But no, I'm with you. No quiet signs on that hole. Yeah, burn it the, them. Is it the best hole in golf? You reckon? From a, an overall experience, the I mean, best with, yeah, hole in golf in, on the on the it's world on the podium. Yeah, I would love to play it. Maybe maybe as next a pro, week, I'd love to play. It. Maybe next week you can do your top five holes. Top in golf, five. Marco. Most prominent golf holes. Yep. So yeah. So they have to be the best holes. Top five tournament holes I'd want to play. There's some homework for you. Yeah. No worries. All right. Now, uh, speaking of the Vic Open, we've already talked about that. Uh, Former world number one, mate, playing there this week. Playing there this week. Yeah, Curry Webb. There right now. Seven-time major champion. Yep. Uh, She got in the Hall of Fame at the age of 31. Mm. That's a ridiculous. (laughs) Talking about Curry Webb, she's a gun, and she came down to play the Oats Victorian Open. Curry, when you were coming on today, it was, a, it was a good chance to go back and have a look at that record of yours. And I reckon a lot of people have forgotten just how dominant you were. I mean, I, I remember back in the day, there was you, you were just as dominant 
as Tiger Woods there for a while and seven majors and a very early entrance into the World Golf Hall of Fame. When you look back on those days when you were the dominant world number one player, I mean, how does it make you feel these days when you look back? Uh, well, obviously, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm still <laughs> still in my career, but uh, obviously I, uh, as I've gotten older, I've, I've uh, come to appreciate a lot more... Um, the golf I played there for for quite a few uh, a big stretch of years there, um, late nineties and early two thousands. Um, you know, I played golf that uh, you know uh, you know I could only dream of. But the consistent golf that I was playing back then was uh, you know now I, I truly pr- appreciate it. Further to that, Carrie, I vaguely remember at the, around that time there was a, a possibility of a made for TV match between you and Tiger Woods. Is that right? Did that, did that ever get close to happening? Yeah, it was a um, primetime uh, TV match. It was um, Tiger and Annika played uh, against David Duval and I. So we were, it was one and oh. two in the world. Um, so both number ones, Tiger and Annika, played both number twos. Was it, was it one and why wasn't it the girls against the boys? That would have been fantastic, Kari. When you look back at that, just the curiosity factor to see the girls taking on the boys, you and Annika taking on David Duval and Tiger Woods, that would have been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I think it was still a pretty cool, cool match now because um, the way they did it was we we played on the west coast of the US um, and it was done for primetime TV in in the east and so um, our last I think three or four holes were in the lights under lights so um, so we finished about I think it was eight o'clock eight nine o'clock Pacific time so it was dark when we finished but it was you know eleven twelve o'clock East Coast time. It would have been uh, great fun to play. That'd be a part of that, Marco. Eh? The world's mm. best in action against mm. each other. That's awesome stuff. Now, we're going to see some of the world's best in the, the Oats Vic Open this week. And, and just looking at the, the ladies' tour around the world at the moment, Curry, and you obviously being a dominant force yourself through your journey and still more than capable at the level oh, these days. Off, How has the, the game changed on tour? Are these Is it technology or are the, are the girls just better now? They just seem to be unbelievable all the way through. Yeah, I think... Uh, oh, I just think uh, golf in general has become more, um, we have more athletes playing golf. Um, and, you know, the level of fitness and strength and conditioning has changed from, you know, 20 years, 30 years ago. Um, uh, obviously technology has helped that as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's not a, not as big a separation between, you know, number one in the world and number 100 in the world. Um, it's not as big a gap as it used to be. Carrie, what about the, the girls Lydia Cohen and Minji Lee? I mean, um, to see them performing at the moment, and and I know when I hear them talk and when they've performed well, they, sometimes I'll hark back and they'll talk about you and the inspiration that you gave them. Uh, and I know you've helped them out along the way. When you see the girls, when you talk to them, you must be you must be proud of the influence you had when you were the world number one. Yeah, I mean, I've really in the last uh, ten years or so really enjoyed the um, mentoring part of um, of you know, what I do and, and seeing the younger girls coming up and, and, you know, being there to offer any sort of uh, help that I can. Um, but it's fun then to, to watch their careers grow and, and see what they achieve on the world stage. And what's left for you, Carrie? Certainly not over by any stretch of the imagination. But Another major. Uh, what, do you need one more? <laughs> Is that what you're after now, just one more or a couple more? Oh, yeah. I mean, I um, obviously that's why I'm still working hard. I, I think, uh, you know, I still, I still have a... A little left in the tank, and uh, you know, obviously, a major would be would be uh, icing on the cake, and and uh, you know, if I can qualify for the Olympics, you know, an Olympic medal yeah. would, uh, would be something that I never thought about.
Yeah, great chat with yourself and Daniel Harford, Marco, on the run home. So. Yeah, no, she's great. She's great. And uh, she's yeah. probably leading right now. She probably is. She might be leading right now. <laughs> hey, after this, we're going to get into your masterclass. Yeah, watch out. Because there's some big tips coming. I've and got a good one good. today. I've got a ripper. good on the show and yeah. uh, helped my putting uh, during the week good. as well last week's good, tip. Good, good, good. So there you yeah, go. Something. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Marco's Masterclass. Great to have your company on the clubhouse. Mark Allen's here, the best teacher in golf and every week. In radio. Uh, in radio, radio golf. Radio golf. Well, yeah. I was going to pump you up a little bit more than that. It's hard to teach in radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Hey, and something, some big news coming uh, in teaching. Yeah, yeah. Too. yeah no, well, so, we might have a new sponsor of this uh, particular segment yes. very, very soon. We'll get to that, so stand by. Yeah, yeah. Promygolf.com. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Yep. Now, today, Bunkers... Um, Amateurs always have trouble from bunkers. And yep. you know why they always have trouble? Because if you're in a greenside bunker, you don't have to hit the ball very far to get the ball to the hole. So in everybody's mind, you know what they do? Because you're not hitting the ball very far, they take a really short backswing. Yep. So what happens then is that you either take the right amount of sand and leave the ball in the bunker mm-hmm. because you haven't had enough club head speed, or you're so sick of leaving it in that you don't try to take a little bit of sand next time and you don't take any sand and you just smack it. 50 yards across, and your day is ruined. Mm. I see days ruined all the time when I play with amateurs who have no idea in the bunkers. So the moral of the story is you actually don't hit the ball in a bunker. That's the way you've got to think about it. You've actually got to hit the ball fat. So if you're going to hit the ball fat, you have to hit the ball twice as hard. And when you have to open the club face up, don't open it up too much. That's something the pros can do and people who are highly skilled and have been in the game a long time. But if you only play once a week, once a month, once a fortnight, or if you play all the time and you're just no good at the bunkers, open it up just a tiny, tiny little bit. Even go down and get your pro, if you've got a lob wedge, normally 60 degrees, get the pro to put two extra degrees on it. They've all got loft and line machines. Make mm-hmm. it a 62 and the ball will come out a little bit easier. But the trick is there, there is no real technique in bunkers as far as wrists unless you're in a plugged lie or in a really bad lie that's the only time you pick it up quick with the wrists if you've got a decent lie all you do is have a long loose swing long and loose and thump the the club down behind the ball yeah thump it down if you're not thumping then you have got no idea if you're just trying to scoop it out or gently get it out just try and steer it and help it out of the bunker. It does not work. No. So if next time you're in a bunker, if you're in a bunker today uh, on your Sunday round, then just make a long, loose swing and thump the sand iron behind the ball and you'll find that golf ball popping up and going somewhere on the green, which is a good start. Once you get it on the green all the time, then you can start worrying about trying to get the ball close. Yep. And that involves you know, opening the club a little bit differently and all the rest of it. But at the moment, long and loose and thump the club behind the ball. I like it. Mm. Don't do that if there's no, just... if there's no sand in the bunkers. Don't do that. It's another technique. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that another day. Another because day. There are some thin bunkers, and we'll talk about how far you concrete down bunkers. And yeah, you can't thump on concrete. No. Doesn't work. Hey, Marco, great to be here. Good yep. luck in the Vic Open. I'll be leading, mate. You'll be in front as we hear this. Call the engraver. Tell him <laughs> there is an E in Alan. Hey, Can you we'll do that for me? We will see you next week with your top five holes in golf. Top five holes I'd want to play in professional golf. Yep, I'll do it. that. We'll see you next Catch week. Catch you next week, buddy. House. We'll see you then.